Kia and welcome to Goodfellow Podcasts. This episode is kindly supported by the Royal New Zealand College of General Practitioners, the Auckland Faculty. I'm Dr Louise Kugler, a specialist GP, and today we are discussing monkeypox. I'd like to welcome to the podcast Dr Julia Scott and Gary McAuliffe. Julia is a sexual health physician at Teora Wellington Sexual Health Service and is a medical officer in the health intelligence team at the Institute of Environmental Science and Research, ESR, where she works on STI and monkeypox surveillance. Julia has a particular interest in public health aspects of sexual and reproductive health. Gary is a clinical microbiologist and virologist who works at Titoka Tumai in Auckland and has an interest in the diagnosis of sexually transmitted infections. Kia ora to you both and welcome. Kia ora, thank you. So we're going to start with a case today. We are a 25-year-old gentleman called Bob books a telehealth consultation with you, his GP. The triage nurse says, wondering if he has monkeypox. The background is he's recently returned from a two-week holiday in New York City where he reports having a blast. He is febrile with genital lesions. Julia, what specifically do we want to know from Bob? So you'd start with asking Bob your usual clinical history around a rash and fever. So when did the symptoms start? Where is his rash? What does it look like? He's, we've said there's genital lesions. Whereabouts are they? Particularly, are the lesions painful or itchy? Monkeypox lesions often are. Does he have any other systemic symptoms with the fever? Things like myalgia and lymphadenopathy. Is there anything that he, that would suggest that he might have complications of infection? So spreading redness, cellulitis, a big painful lump, or does he have any symptoms of proctitis? So that's rectal pain, bleeding, discharge, tenesmus, which is a kind of urgency to pass, feeling of needing to pass stools. If he has lesions on his penis, is he having pain passing urine? Does he have a phimosis? Um, and any symptoms of other STIs that you'd usually ask about, like discharge? And then in his past medical history, you'd particularly want to know if there's anything that might result in him being immunocompromised. So that's the main risk factor for severe diesel complications from monkeypox. So is he taking any immunosuppressive medications? Is he taking steroids for anything? Is he living with HIV? And then really importantly, you want to take a sexual history. At the moment, although monkeypox can be transmitted by any close skin-to-skin contact, the majority of cases in this outbreak, over 90%, have been sexually transmitted. Also, at the moment, although monkeypox can affect anyone, most cases are occurring in gay, bisexual and other men who have sex with men, about 96% of cases where we've got sexual behaviour information. Many um, of these men are using PrEP and have attended festivals or sex on site venues. So you want to ask Bob about his sexual history. And I always do this by explaining and normalising what I'm doing. So for Bob, you could say something like, the lesions that you're describing sound like they could have been caused by an STI. And we know that monkeypox can be sexually transmitted. So I'm going to ask you some questions about your sexual history to figure out where the infection might have come from, how long you've had it, and who else might be at risk. It'll also help me figure out what kind of tests we should do. So then you'd ask Bob about his sexual history. And particularly in the last month, in the last 21 days to month for monkeypox. So have you had sex with anyone in the last month? Were your partners male, female or both? What kind of sex did you have? By that I mean, was it oral, anal, vaginal? Has anyone that you've had sex with told you that they've got an infection? And do you have any contact details for your partners? Particularly, did he go to any festivals or sex on site venues? 
And then also has he had sex since he's been back in New Zealand? The travel history is really important. So we know that Bob's been to New York. And at the moment, the place with the largest number of monkeypox cases is the United States. There are about 15,000 cases in the United States and 45,000 cases worldwide. So there are also cases in the UK, Europe and Australia. And you'll have heard that we've got four cases in New Zealand. But a big risk factor at the moment is travel to one of these other areas. Wonderful. Thank you. Gary, I wonder if you can tell us about the incubation period for monkeypox. Yeah, so it, it can be up to three weeks, but the, generally people that we're experiencing with this outbreak are um, presenting between six days and 13 days. So it might be that second week post-exposure. And as Louise had said, there's a number of clues that you can get there from the history. So um, from Bob, for example, um, knowing what his blast was in New York, and that might help you with um, timing the incubation period within that two to three weeks after an event. Thank you. So, Julia, we've taken our thorough history and now we are wondering about monkeypox. We think we need to examine him, so we contemplate bringing him into the clinic, but we're wondering whether or not this is appropriate. Is primary care an appropriate place to examine Bob or should we send him directly to a sexual health clinic? Primary care is definitely appropriate, Louise, if you have capacity in your clinic to see Bob urgently and if from the history you feel like it's appropriate for you to do that. There are some situations where it might be better for Bob to go somewhere else and that includes if he has symptoms suggestive of proctitis, so that rectal pain, discharge and bleeding, we'd suggest discussing him with sexual health and we would get him in and try to do a proctoscopy if it's not too painful. If you're concerned from the history that he's quite systemically unwell or it sounds like he might have a complication like an abscess, it might be more appropriate for him to be seen in the emergency department. If you're not sure, you can always discuss Bob with your local sexual health clinic and um, we can provide advice or we can arrange to see him. So Gary, we're considering bringing Bob into the clinic. What do we need to consider? Does he need to be red streamed and do we need to wear PPE? So we do want to keep Bob separate from other patients and we would want to advise him at the point of contact, which should be when he calls reception or the practice nurse, that he should, when he comes in, wear clothing that covers up his lesions and wear a medical mask. When the practitioner sees him in the clinic, they will want to be wearing PPE for contact, droplet and airborne as well as standard cautions. And at this moment in time, that means eye protection, a P2 N95 mask, impervious gown, and gloves. But as I said, that may change. One other thing to note is that he shouldn't be directed to a community laboratory centre for specimen collection. That should occur at the general practice for monkeypox. Thank you for that. So, Julia, we're going to perform our examination now. What systems do we need to examine and what specifically are we looking for? So the key parts of the examination are um, vital signs, a skin examination, examination for lymphadenopathy. Uh, And with the skin, we're particularly looking at the genital and perianal areas and also the the mouth and oropharynx should be, the oropharynx should be examined. Any other examination, you can be guided by his symptoms. So, for example, if he has symptoms of proctitis, you could do a proctoscopy if you're comfortable with that and he is also comfortable. If he reported any other symptoms, respiratory and neurological symptoms, you'd look at those systems. 
and we're looking for fever, lymphadenopathy and monkeypox lesions. Monkeypox lesions, the, the kind of classical, typical description of them is that they go through a number of stages. So they might start out as macules and then they become raised and then they become vesiculopustular. And that kind of vesiculopustular appearance is a sort of classic pox lesion appearance. And then after that, they scab over and then the scabs fall off and, um, and you're left with healthy skin underneath. The classic vesiculopustular pox lesions look a bit like inflamed molluscum contagiosum. So they are they're raised, they've got fluid inside them, they often have a central punctum. They can look also a bit like chickenpox or herpes. They're usually painful and tender, which distinguishes them from things like mollusks, and the skin around them is quite red. You're usually going to see them at the site of contact. So, for example, the genital area, or if they've had receptive anal sex, perianal area, or around the mouth. They can sometimes be more widespread and scattered. And some pictures of the appearances of the lesions in some cases overseas and in the literature we've added to the links with this podcast. I think that's uh, great to have a look at to get an idea of what these look like. I think a really important thing for us all to be aware of, not particularly for Bob because we know that he has lesions, but for other cases, is that sometimes with proctitis, people have anorectal lesions only. So there are no external lesions and the only lesions are internal. Somebody might have anorectal pain, discharge, intonismus, but they don't have any other external lesions to see. So Ideally, we'd look with a proctoscope, but if you've got somebody with that situation, you can also swab blindly with a rectal swab um, if it's too painful for them to have a proctoscope. And you'd also have a look for those complications that you asked about in the history, so for any cellulitis or abscess formation. So Bob does have a fever and lymphadenopathy and pox-like lesions on his genitals. So we decide we want to order some investigations. What do we need to consider here, Gary? It depends slightly on how, how the lesions look and exactly where they are, but we know from what we're doing here that monkeypox is definitely part of what we're interested in. The other things to consider would be herpes simplex and syphilis. So syphilis often presents in this in the same areas um, of contact and may present as an ulcer with similarities to monkeypox. I think one of the other things is that monkeypox is pain associated with it often, which herpes simplex lesions do as well. They would be the main differentials. And as Julia has mentioned, uh, molluscum, particularly secondary infected, uh, infected or inflamed ones. So in terms of testing, what we would generally do is if, it, if this looks like a HSV lesion and monkeypox is part of the differential, then we would swap them and there's some guidelines out there, the Ministry of Health guidelines, but in essence, what we want is we want a swab of the base of the lesion or some of the pus that's there, if there's pus there. And if they're all dried up, then some of the scab. If it's wet stuff, so if it's the base of the lesion or the pus, then that goes into a vial of UTM, like the COVID vials. But the only difference here is we want a thick swab. So the sort that you would use for a throat swab rather than for an azopharyngeal swab. So too bendy, really, to get 
a decent amount of material. The other things that we should be thinking about in this situation would be syphilis. So in primary care, syphilis is generally diagnosed by blood tests, so EIA, and it may need and may well need a follow-up if that's high on your differential a couple of weeks later if it's negative. The rest of the sexual health screen, so for MSM for men who have sex with men, that would be chlamydia and gonorrhea triple site testing for the throat, rectum and urine and should be completed as part of this. But one of the things that we've been discussing in the Auckland region is you've only got 15 minutes to see a patient. How are you going to get all of this done? And so it doesn't necessarily have to all take place there, but swabbing of the lesion is really the important thing there. And some of the rest of it can be done later. So when we've got a monkeypox result, the patient could then go to a collection centre for their blood forms. And in certainly in the Auckland area, they could do self-sampling for their chlamydia and gonorrhea if they're asymptomatic in those parts of their body as well. So the other thing just to be aware of here is that public health want to be contacted about these cases at the time when you're considering monkeypox and taking the samples. And outside of Auckland, the local microbiologists, this is for a few reasons to help with the logistics of getting samples in to make sure that we're doing on the, on the right people and all that sort of stuff. The message from the microbiologists in the Auckland region is if you've got an MSM and they have got perigenital region lesions or perioral lesions and monkeypox is part of your differential, we're quite happy to test for monkeypox. But public health do want to know about these cases as well. I wonder about we, if we could talk about classification for a moment. So how do we classify monkeypox, Julia? So the classifications for monkeypox in New Zealand are under investigation or suspected, probable and confirmed. So the under investigation cases are people that you're investigating for monkeypox. That's people that have a clinically compatible illness. So they've got acute unexplained lesions or proctitis. And they meet what's called the epidemiological criteria. Uh, so they're higher risk for monkeypox. And at the moment, and this may change as the outbreak progresses, but at the moment, those epidemiological criteria are exposure to a monkeypox case, a probable or confirmed monkeypox case in the 21 days before symptom onset. Or they've travelled to an area where monkeypox is endemic, West or Central Africa, before symptom onset or they're a priority group for testing. So at the moment, the priority groups for testing are gay, bisexual, and other men who have sex with men, or people with multiple or anonymous sexual partners. So you will have determined from your sexual history if Bob meets these criteria. You've asked him if he's had sex with men or women or both, and if he has contact details for them and how many people he's had sex with. And then the confirmed um, case definition is someone who's got laboratory definitive evidence of monkeypox. So for us in New Zealand, that's the PCR test for monkeypox. The probable case definition is somebody who meets the clinical and epidemiological criteria, but testing isn't possible for some reason. So for example, they're presented too late, but it sounds very much like they've had monkeypox. At the moment, um, we're not advising testing for people who are low risk for monkeypox who are likely to have other causes of rash. So, for example, children with widespread rashes, there's likely to be many other causes of that. If you have, as Gary said, someone who meets the clinical and epidemiological criteria, you're considering them as a suspected or under investigation case of monkeypox, speak to your local medical officer of health 
or advice on what to do next. And they will give you some information and they will also guide you about whether or not you need to speak to a microbiologist. As Gary mentioned, in Auckland, that's not required. In other areas where there isn't capacity for monkeypox testing at the moment, tests will need to be sent elsewhere. And so part of that is arranging where the tests need to go. Just a point on that. So if there is a test which is you know, high on the differential and high consequence, then public health plus minus the microbiologist can get that to a place quicker if it's needed. Fantastic. Thank you for that. So Bob lives in a flat with his partner and five others. They also have a cat and a puppy. Gary, can Bob safely return to his flat? From the information that we've got, it sounds like he can. What we need to do is is work within the confines of what's available for him. So he's meant to stay at home and so not go out and self-isolate. He's also meant to avoid sexual contact during his um, confinement. Self-isolation means staying away from work, not having visitors in your home and avoiding close contact with other people you live with when possible. You know, the ins and outs of that then we'll get on to next. So the things I'm interested in now is how long is Bob infectious and how long does he have to isolate? And then if he's going back to a communal flat, what advice should we be giving him? Can he share a bathroom? Can he share a bedroom? Can he share a bed in communal living areas with his flatmates? And what about the pets? Bob's infectious until all his lesions have crusted over. They've fallen off and new skin's formed underneath. So that's going to depend on the individual person, but it usually happens within two to four weeks. So four weeks would be the longest, and you need to wait till all of those are healed until he's considered non-infectious. So while he's still got the lesions, he needs to stay at home, and if he's got other people living with him, he has to do what he can do to limit his contact with them. The most important thing, as we've said, is to avoid sexual contact, kissing and skin-to-skin contact. If possible, he should sleep in a separate bed and room. And if he's able to use a separate toilet or bathroom, but if he's not able to, he should clean that after he's used it. And he should aim to use his own supply of cutlery and plates and washing himself, not share his food or drink with others, wash his hands frequently, do his own laundry and not sharing bedding. That's one of the things with monkeypox is that bedding, towels, and clothes are a potential risk because of the scabs and skin lesions getting onto other people there. And the other thing is really for him to cover his affected skin as much as possible. So wearing long sleeves and pants, gloves and socks. One of the options for doing this is if he's sitting on shared furniture to put a towel down, sit on. And if he's got bandages and tissues, just be very careful about making sure that they go directly into a bed and all that sort of stuff. All of this will be discussed with him by public health and he'll be given written information as well. And he'll have a final checkup by a health professional to finish isolating. Tell me about the pets. What advice do we give him with contact for his pets? So monkeypox is zoonotic, so it can affect a range of other animals. So the advice for Bob is to avoid close direct contact with any animals so that includes pets that he has at home I think you said he had some pets so avoid contact with his pets don't 
if he can, not let his pets into the room that he's isolating in. Definitely don't let them onto his bed. And he should also avoid contact with livestock uh, and any other animals. So interestingly, Bob's partner is actually female and she's pregnant. She's 38 weeks pregnant. Julia, what do we need to consider with Bob's partner? Is she at risk and is their baby at risk? So a couple of considerations. One of the other risk factors for severe monkeypox is pregnancy. It's a time of relative immunocompromise. So Bob's partner, if she was infected, is at risk of quite severe monkeypox. Monkeypox can also have an impact on pregnancies. So there is the risk of stillbirth and congenital monkeypox, a little bit like syphilis. So we would want to make sure that Bob is not in contact with his pregnant partner while he is potentially infectious. The other question is whether or not monkeypox can be transmitted through fluids, through semen. And that's still under investigation, but advice in other jurisdictions at this stage is to use condoms um, for 12 weeks after all of the monkeypox lesions have resolved. So that would be similar to how we responded to Zika virus in sort of hairy pregnancy. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for clarifying that. So thinking about managing Bob, what do we tell him he should be expecting? Bob should isolate, as we've discussed, and if he's well, he can stay at home with supportive care. So that kind of supportive care that's standard for viral infection. So um, simple analgesia, keep his fluids up, and advice about what to look out for in terms of complications. Usually paracetamol and ibuprofen is adequate pain relief. If the lesions are quite itchy, an antihistamine like cetrazine can be helpful. Very painful local lesions, you can add in some topical lignocaine gel. We give this out at Sexual Health Services for painful herpes lesions, and it's quite effective. The Public Health Service will contact Bob, as we've said, and they'll go through a questionnaire with him about his symptoms, his contacts, talk about his isolation requirements and any other support that he might need. So, for example, financial support if he is having to isolate at home for a while and he's not able to work. And they'll also arrange follow-up for him, um, either every day or every few days virtually to check on his symptoms and and how he's going. So it will be helpful to let Bob know that somebody from the public health service is going to get in contact with him and they will ask him quite a lot of questions and also provide him with quite a lot of information so that he knows what to expect. Gary, I wonder if we can talk about vaccination now. I understand there are two types of vaccination. Can you tell us about these? Yes, so vaccination for monkeypox is all based on the vaccinia virus, which is the back in the yaws of time was um, the cowpox virus. So there's what we call an older second generation virus, which is the vaccinia virus. So that's replication competent. So therefore, you can't use that in immunocompromised people. And it had quite a lot of side effects. So that's what we've traditionally had in New Zealand, and that's what people have used around the world. There is a newer generation vaccinia virus, which is incompetent of replicating. So the names for that that you might have heard are Genios or Imnovax. Um, so these are the things that are being produced in smaller quantities at the moment, but obviously manufacturing has been ramped up. 
and we don't yet have that available in the country. Well, hoping that we will have from December. And, and you'll have heard overseas that the vaccination is being used in certain circumstances. So overseas, what are they doing with vaccination? Is it a preventative measure? Is it a post-exposure measure? A close contact measure? What are, what are they doing overseas? What are we expecting will come to us in time? A lot of the way vaccines being used is based on how much is available and, and when and, and who and how. And so post-exposure prophylaxis has been given in some countries to those who have been in really close contact or who are at risk for other reasons. The other thing is, as you said, as a preventative measure. And so this is for people who are at risk of acquisition. And one of the things that has been notable about this outbreak has been that many of sex men who are living with HIV, and then that's not because of their immune status, but just as a risk factor for acquisition of STIs, are at risk and have been offered preventative immunization in several countries. And then from there, there are other groups. So men who have sex, men who are on PrEP are another group, people who've had and bacterial STI in the last year. So they, these are kind of tiered up depending on how much vaccine is available. And so you need to choose. We've got this much vaccine for this many people and go out and ring from there. And I think you asked if we have the vaccine in New Zealand and, and the answer is, is no, um, but hopefully from December. I, I think the aim there is that it will come in phases. And so what we may well see is that we have this targeted vaccination. Thank you for clarifying that. Julia, I wonder, you mentioned before contacting and notifying the public health units. What do we need to tell Bob about this notification? What should he expect? So you can explain to Bob that monkeypox is a notifiable disease. So we are obliged at the moment to notify the medical officer of health at the point of testing. And then the lab will notify of a positive result and he will be contacted by the public health unit. So it would be a good idea to let him know that although we do need to give his details legally to the public health unit, his medical information will be treated in confidence. No information about him will be disclosed publicly, but there may be some information that needs to be shared legally with the public health service or with other medical practitioners to help with his care and that he will be made aware of exactly what is happening as the process goes on and the public health service will reiterate that when they talk to him and explain to him what they're going to ask, why they need to know and what they're going to do with that information. Will we be contact tracing in New Zealand? Yes, yes, absolutely. So case identification and contact tracing is going to be the most important thing that we can do to contain the spread of monkeypox and really at this stage we are trying to stamp it out in terms of really um, identifying every case and identifying contacts and making sure that we can if they become cases identify that early and prevent onwards transmission so contact tracing is a really crucial part of our response to monkeypox in New Zealand so the public health service or in some areas the sexual health service depending on how those services are working together They'll undertake contact tracing. Contacts will be classified as high, moderate or low risk, depending on the type of contact that they've had with Bob. 
they'll be made aware they've been in contact with monkeypox, but they won't be told any of Bob's details. They'll be advised to avoid sexual activity, kissing and close contact with others if they're high risk and to monitor their symptoms and seek testing and isolate if they do develop symptoms. So I think, you know, really important to make Bob aware, as the public health service will do, that no details about Bob will be disclosed if he doesn't want them to be. So contacts will then be actively monitored or passively monitored, depending on their level of risk, for 21 days after their last contact with Bob. And they don't need to be tested unless they develop symptoms. They don't need to isolate either, but they just need to avoid sex and kissing and wear a mask around others. So you've started letting Bob know to expect the contact tracing, I think is really going to be really helpful for Bob. And you've started the process already by taking a sexual history and he's started to think about the contacts that he's had and whether or not he has the details and if he can get in touch with those people. Bob's feeling a little bit anxious. What do we need to tell Bob about his prognosis and what complications do we need to be aware of and warn him of? Julia. So you can reassure Bob that he is likely to make, uh, well, he will make a full recovery. Generally, monkeypox is a mild to moderate self-limiting illness, and he will have completely recovered within the next month. Some people do feel quite unwell with the systemic symptoms, um, and also the lesions can be quite painful. So it's a good idea to talk about pain relief with him, uh, even if he doesn't feel like he needs it at the moment, making sure that he has a stock of pain relief in case his lesions get more painful and he does need that. The complications that we need to be aware of uh, and let him know of are most commonly secondary bacterial infection of monkeypox lesions. So people can develop cellulitis around the lesions and obviously need some antibiotics for that. In some cases, abscesses around the lesions. And some of the places that you can see abscesses, if there are monkeypox lesions in the throat, you can sometimes see peritonsal abscesses that's been documented overseas. And as we talked about earlier, monkeypox can cause quite a painful proctitis. The other thing that can happen is if there are lesions on the foreskin, some people can get swelling of the foreskin and a phimosis. Very rarely, there have been some, uh, some serious complications like pneumonitis and encephalitis. There have been a handful of cases of those documented overseas. Overseas, about 5 to 10% of cases are being hospitalised and it's mainly for either pain relief or treatment of secondary infection that that's been happening. There is a higher risk of serious infection in people who are immunocompromised. So if Bob was immunocompromised or taking immunosuppressive medication, we need to be really cautious with that. And in the current outbreak, for, for your information, Including in the endemic countries, there have been 12 deaths so far out of 45,000 cases of monkeypox. So very rarely, very rarely fatal. So what else do we need to talk about with Bob? What else should we consider? I think Gary has really mentioned some of the other important stuff around arranging other STI testing for him. So Gary outlined the other tests that we would do if he, if he has uh, MSM the testing that he would need. Talking about regular STI testing and STI prevention for him, I think is another really important thing. And if he's not already on PrEP and he is a high risk, then consider talking to him about PrEP and, um, and getting him to have a think about whether or not that's something that he would like 
to do. I did forget to mention that HIV is part of the STI check. And so that would be tested along with the syphilis blood test. Absolutely. When you're doing a blood test for Bob for syphilis, you check for HIV as well. Perfect. Great. Well, thank you both for your time today. To conclude our podcast, your take-home messages for our listeners, please. There is a global monkeypox outbreak with cases at the moment primarily occurring in gay, bisexual and other men who have sex with men. Monkeypox is transmitted by very close contact, skin-to-skin, kissing, contact with infected linen, and most cases in this outbreak have been sexually transmitted. You should suspect monkeypox in gay, bisexual and other men who have sex with men with skin lesions, often genital, perianal, oral, or in some cases generalised, especially if they've been overseas and or attended a festival. Call the Medical Officer of Health if you suspect monkeypox to organise testing and follow-up. In in most areas, that's going to involve talking to the microbiologist as well. Monkeypox is usually a mild to moderate self-limiting illness, which resolves in two to four weeks, but it can be very painful and complications are possible. Treatment is supportive. People are infectious from the onset of symptoms until after the skin lesions have crusted over and scabs have fallen off and they need to isolate during this time. Fantastic. Thank you both. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. There'll be a list of resources on our website, goodfellowunit.org. Thank you for listening.